Good morning, everyone. Um, my heart is heavy as I heard those prayer requests this morning, but uh, hopeful, uh, trusting in, in the Lord to uh, help us to persevere and to give us the strength that we need to get through this. So um, I'm going to invite you to uh, turn your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 14. And as you're doing that, I'm going to take a couple of minutes uh, to read from Max Lucado's book, Jesus, the God who knows your name, um, a couple of lines from uh, his introduction. Carinette has a spark in her, a look, a bounce in her step, a light in her eyes. She is one of 57 children in the Haitian orphanage all dark-skinned, bright-eyed, curly-haired, Creole-speaking, and fun-loving. Each one is precious, but this seven-year-old stands out from the others, not as a result of special treatment. She eats the same rice and beans as the others eat and plays on the same grassless playground. She sleeps beneath the same tin roof as the other girls, hearing the nearly nightly pound of rain. Her routine is identical to the other children's, yet she is different. The reason? Ask her. Ask Carinette about the visitors who traveled from a faraway world just to see her. They were looking for a girl, a little girl, a, a girl just like her, they knew her name, they knew her favorite song, they knew that she loves to look at books and jump rope, and in a moment that changed her forever. They invited her to live with them. They are coming for me, she will tell you. Ask to see the pictures of her soon-to-be home, she'll show them to you. Fail to ask, she'll offer to show you. Her adoptive parents brought her pictures, a teddy bear, granola bars, and cookies. She shared the goodies with her friends and asked the director to guard her bear, but she keeps the pictures. They remind her of the father who knows her. They remind her of the home that awaits her. The photographs convince her to believe the incredible. Somebody knows her name and has promised to take her home. Let's pray. And we, Father, as we open up the scriptures and consider this Passion Week, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and move us and draw us closer to you. In your name, we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. Mark 14, beginning at verse 12. On the day, on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, telling them, go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, 
went into the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth. One of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened, and one by one they said to him, Surely not I. It is one of the twelve, he replied, one who dips bread into the bowl with me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it. This is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. I tell you the truth, I will not drink it again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Well, this is the uh, account of um, the Thursday night of Passion Week. Uh, Passion Week, after the Greek verb to suffer or, or pasho. Uh, these are the dying hours before Jesus' crucifixion. And what I appreciate in particular about the story is we get to experience, we get to be part of the last hours of Christ's life on earth. If you've ever spent time with a loved one who was dying, you know how precious those last few remaining days, hours, minutes are, you would uh, appreciate the conversation, the words of gratitude, the reflections that, that, that come of it, what would be shared from the heart, a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. You might even bring your ear a little bit closer to to the, the person's mouth, to hear what he or she was saying. And so as we look at this passage this morning, what, what does Jesus want to convey? What is he sharing from his heart? What does he want to demonstrate through his love? What does he want to express to his disciples during these last remaining hours? You see, this Passover meal is not just about a meal, and, and that is what I really appreciated this, this week, these weeks as I've been preparing for this. Yes, it's a memorial to the Exodus, but it's also about fellowship. It's also about conversations. It's, it's a teaching opportunity. It's encouragement. It's also a new memorial of the cross and our deliverance from sin. According to historians, the, the Galileans celebrated Passover on the Thursday because their day was from sunrise to sunrise, and the Judean Jews, they celebrated on the Friday because it was sunset to sunset. That was from the Jewish Mishnah. Jesus gets, and this is pretty neat, Jesus gets 
to celebrate Passover with disciples on Thursday and then be the Passover on Friday. And, and this is something that they celebrated for 1,500 years since the exodus from Egypt, where the uh, Israelites were, were, were slaves under Pharaoh. And, and how did God set them free? Well, we read about this in the account of in Exodus chapters 10, 11, and 12. We know the story. He sent 10 plagues. The last one, the plague of the firstborn, it included the death of the firstborn, both men and animals. And in order to be protected from the plague of the firstborn, each household selected a lamb, sacrificed it, and its blood was put on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they were to eat the lamb. And as the angel of death would pass over the house, it would see the blood and the family would be spared. They were protected by the blood of the lamb. They were protected by the blood of the lamb. So it is understood that God's judgment of sin requires the death of an innocent substitute. And, and this went on for centuries. Millions of lambs were sacrificed because no true lamb satisfied God. Jesus would be the true Passover lamb because he is the perfect sacrifice. And in our passage in Mark 14, we see that Jesus, he redefines the elements on the table. The, the, the memorial of Exodus is over and the memorial of the cross of communion, it now begins. Now, a few things about this passage that strike me as interesting. One, uh, verses uh, 13, 14, and 15. Jesus sends the disciples and he tells them exactly, go into a city. You'll see a man carrying a water jug, a jar of water. He's going to meet you. I want you to say this. This is what he's going to say. This is how he's going to respond. Prepare the preparations. God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And it, it's just a reminder that there's nothing that surprises him. Nothing that surprises him. And then what also I, I really enjoyed as I was reading through this is um, how in verse 17, it says, When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve, and while they were reclining, reclining at the table eating. Th this, this, man, wouldn't it be great to get together and just have a meal? I mean, with COVID, we're all isolated, but this was a place where they were all getting together. This, this wasn't fast food. It probably went from, from evening to midnight, like a good five, six hours worth, right? And there's this teaching opportunity. Now, we don't know the sequence of events, but we definitely know the series of events. And, you know, we read this passage and there's a few verses and this is happening, but it, it's just a small part of that old Passover meal. Again, we got to fill up six hours. So we're, we don't have time to turn there, but I encourage you throughout the week to read cha uh, John chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, because we get to see the series of events that happen. We get to see uh, Jesus washing his disciples' feet. We get Jesus publicly recognized that someone would betray him, Judas. Yeah, he speaks of our eternal home. He addresses Peter's denial. Yeah, he encourages us 
the branches to be with him the vine. He, he promises the Holy Spirit that would convict the world of guilt in regards to sin and righteousness and judgment. And so these chapters in John, if they're like a, a, a tapestry, then the thread that binds them all together is love. The common theme is love. Everything here is about love. John chapter 13, verse 14, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, chapter 14, if you love me, you will obey what I command. Uh, chapter 15, the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. In the hours leading to his death, we see nothing but his love. An expression of his love continues to be demonstrated, including his time on the cross. Andrew sung, lest I forget. Prevent me from forgetting. Lest I forget thy love for me, lead me to Calvary. And so we have this Passover meal, right? Um, the lamb, uh, according to Josephus, uh, 10 to 20 people could eat the lamb. They can get together. So you'd, you'd pick it out. Uh, you'd bring it to the priest of the temple. Uh, they'd sacrifice it. They'd burn it. And then they'd eat what remained. And so this Passover meal, and, and on Friday, we're going to hear a lot more about it. I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you, Nick, for organizing it. Um, the Passover meal would begin with a Thanksgiving prayer, a prayer of Thanksgiving. And then they'd have a, a first cup of wine, which was diluted with water. And then they'd, they'd wash their hands. They'd, they'd wash their hands. Uh, they, they needed clean hands before they, they, they'd eat, obviously, bringing their hands to their mouth. But it also symbolized uh, cleanliness and, and holiness. And just imagine for, for a minute, is it possible that maybe this is where uh, Jesus addresses the dispute? We read in Luke 22 that there was a dispute that arose among them, the disciples, as to which one was considered the greatest. And so you've got this problem with pride. Who's the greatest, right? And Jesus stands up and gets the towel and the water and he washes their feet. And you have this lesson of humility as he addresses the sin in their hearts as they're remembering the Passover. The, the greatest of you needs to be the least, right? And so next, they're, they're sitting down, time's going by, and they find the, the flatbread, and it's broken, and they dipped it in some bitter herbs made of, of fruit and nuts, and, and then they would sing some songs. And again, if you have time this week as a family, Psalms 113 through 118, and, and maybe they sang here Psalm 113 and, and 114 as they did this in remembrance. And next, there was a, a second cup of wine. And then they'd eat the lamb. And, and I wonder, as Jesus ate the lamb, what was he thinking? Did he realize that in just a couple of hours, he would be that lamb? I mean, every Passover meal that Jesus had eaten up until this point in time pointed to his crucifixion. I mean, he, he was the fulfillment of all sacrifices. And, and then there'd be a, a third cup of, of wine. Most likely when he took the cup and he said, do this in remembrance of me and spoke about 
the new covenant. And, and then there was more singing, Psalms 115, 116, 117, 118, 118, and then the fourth and final sip of wine, and one more song, and, and they'd sing Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of God. His love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, his love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Did you sing that along with me? Throughout Psalm 136, throughout 118, his love endures forever. I was actually reading 136 there. But his love, again, that common thread throughout all of these passages, throughout all of these teaching, through the psalms that he's singing, is about his love. Well, in Mark chapter 14, verses 18 and 19, We see that he's betrayed. We see that uh, he says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. And we know from John chapter 12 and passages of Luke, we know that Judas is a skilled hypocrite, liar, thief. Um, and this was unheard of in the intimacy of this culture. When you get around the table, that would never happen. We know that uh, six days earlier, Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house, and there's a dinner given in Jesus's honor, and Mary takes out some expensive perfume, and she pours it on Jesus's feet, and she wipes it with her hair, and Judas says, why wasn't this sold and given to the poor? And he had no intention of selling it to the poor. Scripture tells us that he was a thief. Um, but Judas, like any sinner, has his own will, and his own lust, and his own greed, and his own selfishness and and he made a choice and he would betray jesus and we know that in the john account um he goes out judas now leaves and, and he goes to the leaders of the sanhedrin and now there's only 11 that are remaining and in verse 22 jesus takes the bread and it's a good thing judas wasn't there because you can't eat it in an unworthy fashion and he takes the bread and he, and he gives thanks and he gives it to his disciples and he says take this and he goes this is my body and so they break the bread and, and they share it remember not not a bone of his body was broken this was just to distribute it this is my body uh in the past was only a memorial to egypt this is a new memorial this is a new beginning this is the communion we're doing this as it was commanded we're remembering the cross we're remembering the deliverance from sin through christ who would be killed, who was killed for us, the, the true lamb. And then he would take the cup. Um, again, I mentioned this was probably that third cup of wine and they'd sing and, and, and he'd give thanks. And uh, it was the blood of, of a new covenant. Uh, the new covenant is new life in Christ. Uh, the Old Testament was only a covenant of promise. This is now, uh, this, uh, it's a promise. It's not a, just a covenant of a promise, but it's of a fulfillment. Do this in remembrance of me. What are we remembering? Isaiah 53. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we were considered, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. 
The punishment that brought us peace, that brought us peace, was on him. By his wounds, we are healed. I'm getting excited. It's just, it's amazing. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the inequity of us all. That was the Passover meal. Turn a few pages over to Matthew, uh, to Mark chapter 15. Mark 15, reading from verse 35. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry, and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Hours earlier, Jesus ate the Passover, and here he is, the Passover lamb. And as a brother shared with me this week, Jesus would rather die for us than live without us. But this isn't the end of the story. No, next week we're going to celebrate his, his resurrection. Um, in, in the meantime, we're like, we're like that adopted girl in our story who is uh, waiting for her father to return. We, we don't just hold on to a picture, but we take the bread and we take the cup in remembrance of the father who loves us and knows us and who died for us and who's coming back for us. And maybe that is why somewhere in that Passover meal, Jesus felt and knew that it was important to say to the disciples in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to you and be with you. And you also be where I am. What a wonderful promise. Returning to Max Zucato, like Carinette, we are adopted, but not transported. We have a new family, but haven't met all of them yet. We know our father's name, and he has claimed us, but he has yet to come for us. So here we are, caught between what is and what will be, no longer orphans, but not yet home. What do we do in the meantime? Indeed, it can be just that, a mean time. Time made mean with disease, deceit, death, and debt. We prayed about it this morning. How do we live in the meantime? How do we keep our hearts headed home? Let us look only to Jesus, the one who began our faith and who makes it perfect. What is our response to Jesus this morning? I think there is two. One, we can be like Judas, one of the disciples who can be part of his inner circle, but with a heart of stone, would later hang himself outside of Jerusalem. 
That's one response. But hopefully our response is more like that of the Roman soldier who stood at the foot of the cross, who looked at Jesus, who saw how he responded. We saw how he even demonstrated his love from the cross. And that Roman soldier who said, surely this man was the son of God. The Jews remembered the freedom from slavery in Egypt. We remember the freedom that we have in Christ, the one who delivers us from sin, from the power, the presence, and the punishment of sin. Oh, glorious day. We sing it, don't we? Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. One day he's coming. Oh, glorious day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we now have this new freedom in Christ, that we have this opportunity to remember the deliverance from sin, that you took the wrath of God in order for us to become clothed in your righteousness, to be delivered from sin, and to spend an eternity with you. Father God, help us as we wait for that glorious day when you will return. And if there is anyone here who is doubting your love for them, it is our prayer that their response would be not that of Judas, but that of the Roman soldier, that that individual, as they look to Calvary, as they look to the cross, as they look to the freedom, as they look to the new beginning, as they look to the communion that we have in you, would say, surely this man was the son of God. Be with us this week, we pray. Amen.